listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And so I'm just telling you, get ready for the best year you've ever had in 2021. Don't listen to uh, the reports of the wicked. Don't listen to the news. Don't listen to the Antichrist agenda. Focus on the word of God. Focus on what God's already said and watch as God uh, takes you to another level. And I'm not expecting just one level up. I'm expecting to skip levels in Jesus name. I'm expecting to find myself at a place. And I've been saying this, that we get to the end of this year. uh, People are going to be freaked out. Like, my God, how did God do all of that in one year? That's literally what we're believing for. And I know he'll do it. Amen. Corey and Brandon said, we receive it. Blessed to be a blessing. Amen, Lynn. And so take a minute, share the broadcast. We're in the middle of talking about this. Started on it yesterday. We need to continue on because there's more to say. But the devil would love to waste your precious time. He'd love to waste your precious time. Uh, One of the things that I do want to kind of go back over quickly is... First of all, you don't mind your time being wasted if you don't think your time's valuable. If you don't see yourself as valuable, then you'll act that way. You'll let people treat you that way. You'll go through life that way. You'll let them speak to you that way. And you say, well, you know, if you think you're nobody and if you think you're insignificant, you'll conduct your life that way. You'll conduct your life as though you are insignificant. And so the key that I want to get across to you today, as I did yesterday, is this. You are extremely important. You are extremely important. You're extremely necessary in the body of Christ. Paul made that distinction, by the way, in uh, his letter to the Corinthians when he said that though we're one body, we are many members in particular. And then he breaks it down very uh, analytically say, so, you know what? The eyes can't say to the ears, I don't need you. You know, the mouth can't say to the nose, I don't need you. Can you imagine your legs telling your arms that they don't need them? You know, well, I got legs. I don't need arms. I got, you know, I've got hands. I don't need feet. <laughs> this sounds foolish because you know that every member of your body does a specific thing and carries out a specific task. And that's why God didn't make clones. We're not all clones. Each one of us is an individual operating at an individual anointing with an individual purpose, and it's on purpose. I saw Pam was watching this morning. Pam on purpose. I love you, Pam. And she knows what I'm talking about. The purpose is important because everyone's purpose is different. So first thing I want you to see today, don't ever look at yourself in the mirror and think to yourself, well, I'm not as significant as so-and-so. I'm not as, you know, no, don't look at yourself that way because if that's how God created you, what was the even purpose or use of creating you and giving you a purpose? God doesn't do anything by accident and he doesn't do anything insignificant. Hallelujah. God doesn't do anything that's insignificant including creating, anointing, and purposing you. Amen. First thing I want you to put in the comments today, I am anointed. I am anointed by the power of God. That's why I want you to see it. 
I am anointed. You, everything we're talking about the last two days has to be based around that very thought. Because if not, you won't, you won't guard your time. You won't guard your mind. You'll just let anybody say anything, do anything. Your time will be wasted. And so I want you to get this now. Um, and we, we talked about the story of Nehemiah where he was dejected. He was, da- was kind of uh, sad because the walls of his city have been torn down. And the king said, what are you looking like that for? Why do you keep coming in and you have kind of, you're kind of dead, you know, almost crestfallen. And it's because the city was torn down. The walls were torn down. And the king finally gave him the approval. He said, go back and rebuild the walls. That was his purpose. That was his purpose. That was what he was anointed to do. But notice, we covered it yesterday, as he started to rebuild the walls, there were people that did not want him to carry out his purpose. So the devil sent people, Sanballat, Tobiah, you know, and these, these men came to try to get him off the wall and try to get him to stop doing what he was called to do. He said, I cannot come down off the wall. I'm working with a purpose. Oh, hallelujah. I'm working with a purpose. And I love this because if you, if you study the story, which is really interesting, you study the story and you'll find out Uh, that as they were building, (laughs) they would have a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. Think about that. A tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. Amen? Somebody put it in the comments, a tool and a weapon. That's very important. A tool and a weapon. Something I want to direct your attention to this morning. And here's where many people miss it, is that if they get out of the thought process of fighting the good fight of faith, and they only focus on their skills, their talents, their abilities, you start to think that it's you doing the work. This is a dangerous place to be. We covered pride Uh, and talked about pride yesterday, it's a dangerous thing to think that you're the one that accomplishes the work, that it's your power, your authority, your anointing, only without the help of God. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So don't ever take the glory for yourself. And so one of the things that it's important to recognize is that as they were up on the wall, a tool and a weapon. Well, why? Because of the fact that they've got to remember there is a fight to be fought. Think of this. Even in a New Testament context, there's a fight of faith that every one of us is required to engage in. The fight of faith. I'll tell you what. If you read the Bible and see some of these passages such as, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, you start reading uh, verses like that and understanding that I'm not fighting the devil with a gun or a sword. I can't pull a knife on a spirit. But my weapons are spiritual weapons. And when I fight the good fight of faith, I'm using spiritual power and spiritual force. That right there will keep you in the mindset of, it's not by might and it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And if you missed Sunday morning here at Boomerang Church, 
I want to tell you to go back and watch because the Lord spoke to me and he said, give this word to the people and let them know that this is what 2021 is going to be like. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You're not going to be able to go through 2021 uh, doing it in your own strength and your own power and think you're going to be an overcomer and successful. It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power, but it is going to be by his spirit, which means it's going to take supernatural strength to win the battles that we will win in 2021, not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. And so we understand that our time is the most valuable resource we have. You know what? First of all, I'm sure he knew that they were uh, coming to kill him, Nehemiah. And I'm, I'm sure they, he knew these guys want to meet with me in private where? In an alley somewhere at midnight? I ain't coming. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, come, I, I made a joke yesterday. Come meet us in, the, in a place called Oh No. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a bad sign. <laughs> if somebody wants you to meet him in a place called Oh No. Uh, I'm not going. <laughs> where, where are we meeting? Oh, no. It's a place called Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not coming. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't like the sound of that. And so, I'm not coming. But we start to realize that, you know, time, it's literally the greatest currency you have. Everything else can be gotten back. Time can never be gotten back. Time can never be recovered. Bishop Rick, my pastor, told a story when we were in Sunday morning service he said there was a man that he knew that was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And something happened to him and he lost everything, lost everything, lost his home. I mean, basically became homeless, lost it all, lost it all, lost his business, his money, bank, bankrupt. And, and Bishop went to console him to basically say, hey man, how you doing? You know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear everything's going on, everything. And you know what the man said? He said the man was not uh, downcast, if you will. The man was not sitting there like, I can't believe it. He, he almost had a little smile on his face. And he said to Bishop, he said, it's all right. He said, I'm going to get it all back. He said, I'm going to get it all back. Bishop said it was that mindset. He said three years later, God had given the man another idea, had another corporation, built it all back and more. He said, and more greater than he was three years ago. Notice that was the mindset. He, he, he understood. Even if you're a person with wisdom, if you're a person with anointing, if you're a person, I tell people this all the time. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. And it doesn't matter. If the devil tries to steal from you, everything's coming back. Because see, everything else can come back, but time can never come back. That's why it's the most valuable currency. Once it's spent, it's spent, it's gone. And so there's so much to be said in the Bible about diligence and about understanding my time needs to be spent extremely purposefully. That's why you've, I'm sure you've uh, heard the, the phrase that if you'll uh, show me a man's habits, I'll tell you his future. If you show me a man's habits, I'll tell you his future. Show me a man's habits, I'll tell you his future. Why? Because it's the things you do habitually that are creating the future of your life. 
you know, that's why there are, that's why we tell people and encourage you so often on the broadcast that you've got to make prayer and the reading of the word a daily habit. It's not something you do when you can find the time. You make the time and you determine, you know, that's why I tell people, you know, when you're going about setting these goals for your spiritual life, and by the way, I did a podcast that was entitled five areas of your life that you must master um, or else they'll master you. Um, all five areas, you've got to set goals in all of those five areas of your life or you'll never have any outcome. And one of the things that we talked about was if you are making those specific goals uh, for these areas, let's say, for example, the spiritual area of your life, reading the word, praying, attending church, whatever it is, you set those. I mean, if I were you, I'd set them in the schedule on the calendar app of your phone. To where it's like, hey, from this time to this time every day, my phone goes to do not disturb and I pray. I pray. If that means you got to get up an hour earlier before work to pray for an hour, you do that because it's scheduled. You schedule it in the same way you'd schedule a business meeting and say, you know what, at three o'clock tomorrow, I have to meet with so-and-so to go over this business plan. Same way you say, you know what, from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., I pray and I've got it in my phone and I'm going to do uh, habitually what I plan to do. Here's the thing that you'll find out. Hey, Natifa, we love you guys. AJ, love you. Johnny. But here's what you'll find out. If you will employ discipline, watch this now, discipline makes passion unnecessary. Put that in the comments. Discipline makes passion unnecessary. Some people have to get all worked up to go do the thing that they're going to do. They have to establish a passion for it. You know, it's interesting to me is, um, and I've covered this on the broadcast many times, but they finally come up with something called Quitter's Day. There's an actual Quitter's Day in the month of January. And I think it's like, if you go on Google Calendar, I think it's like January 18th or 17th or something. It's right around there. Not even three weeks in, but just shy of three weeks. Do you know what they created that for? Quitter's Day was actually coined because that was the day that they found out most people quit on their New Year's resolutions. Did you find the day? I think it's like January 17th or 18th. That's the day. Not even three weeks into the new year. The 17th. January 17th. Look at that. Quitter's Day. That means people couldn't go past 17 days without quitting on what they said they would do with their life for a year. <laughs> 17 days, that's enough, I think. <laughs> I went to the gym 17 days this year. I think that was quite enough of that. But see, what happens, most of the time what happens is people lose their passion for it. They lose their passion for it. They lose the drive for it. It's like um, it happens with everything. People start a blog. I'm going to blog this year. Then they don't blog. There are three entries, and then you look back. And when was the last entry that they had? Oh, yeah, it was like January 17th. They quit. Well, what is it now? It's November. <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't touched their blog in like 11 months. It happens with everything. Because if you depend on passion, passion can run out on you. But if you make it a discipline of your life, Make it a discipline. That's why I said discipline makes passion unnecessary because I don't have to get worked up to go do it. I don't have to get all excited to go do it. It's just something I do. I've disciplined. That's what I do. It's what I do. 
I finished work. I came in here. We did two broadcasts yesterday. Came in and did, um, uh, after that, went home, did work, worked on stuff for the ministry. After all that, I had to still get ready to preach last night. But in between all of that, I went home, read like 30 chapters of the Bible. Well, 30, you know, you go in and make 30 chapters of the Bible. You say, well, I just don't, you know, I did a lot of work for the Lord today. And, you know, he understands. I'll, ca I'll catch him tomorrow. So, no, I have a discipline in my life to go and be in the word of God. I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if I've done other things. I don't care if I got to get ready to preach tonight. I'm going to get in the word of God and ingest the mighty word of God because I've made it a discipline. And that's see, discipline makes passion unnecessary. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have a passion in your life. It just means that you don't depend on passion to make things happen in your time management. See what I mean? And that's very important. And I like what Ted Melton says here, takes 21 days to make a habit. They've determined that, uh, even psychologically. If you'll do something faithfully, uh, and they say on an average around 21 days, it starts to become a habit in your life. Isn't that interesting that people are stopping just before they can create a habit? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's just like how the devil works, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Is that... The 17th of January. You only got four days until the habit's created. Yeah. <laughs> 17 days. And you know what? At the brink of that place where it can get kicked into becoming a part of your life, people let go of the thing and miss out on what that discipline could bring into their life for the new year. They let go of it. And one of the things, I'm going to give you some practical tips today that are going to help you immensely. They're going to help you immensely to stay on track, not just guard your time, which you should, but to stay diligent doing the thing that you should. Uh, of course, we talked Proverbs 13, 4. Listen, the soul of the sluggard or the lazy person craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. That's Proverbs 13, 4. Let me give you a few uh, so that you, under, that you understand this even, even more. Listen to Proverbs 10, 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. That's Proverbs 10.4. Proverbs 12.24. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Forced labor. Hallelujah. Listen to 13, Proverbs 13.24. The one who loves his son is diligent to discipline him. That's powerful. Diligent to discipline him. My goodness. Why? Because you don't feel like disciplining your children who you love. I look at my little son's face, sweet boy, and he needs discipline. He needs correction. Then I look at that sweet little four-year-old face and think to myself, oh, should I, I should give him a pass. I need to give him a pass. If I give him a pass, he'll grow up wild. He'll just do whatever he wants and think he can get away with it. But I love him, so what do I have to be? I have to be diligent to discipline. You've got to stay on top of it. You've got to stay on top of it. Hallelujah. You know what the Bible says in uh, Proverbs um, 22, 29? Do you see a man who is diligent in his work, as it were? He will serve kings. He will not stand before mere men. Think about that. Whew, hallelujah. Now let me give you this one. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. 
The Bible has a lot to say about being diligent. It has a lot to say about faithfulness and diligence. Faithfulness and diligence. You know, and, and the key is, God's not looking for lazy people. God hates laziness. He hates it. It's wicked in his eyes. Do you know why? Let me, let me break this down. Uh, I heard Pastor Adeboye preaching a message that blew my mind. Pastor Adeboye was preaching on lying. And I thought, man, you can create a whole message around lying. And he was like, and he got into the, the, the revelation of it. And he said, do you know why God hates lying so much? And I was like, you know, it's a sin. You know, I'm thinking to myself. He said, no, God hates lying so much because he is the truth. Amen. He is the truth. He said, it's, it's a direct opposition to his identity. The reason he hates liars and lying is because he is the truth. Because who's the father of all lies? Satan. God is the truth. The devil is a lie. Whew, hallelujah. And so understand that. The reason also, the reason I brought that up is to show you this in regards to time management and diligence. The reason God hates laziness is because God is a worker. God is a creator. See, that's his nature. That's his nature. He's always working. Glory to God. I want to show you something because this really, this really gets me stirred up. Put it in the comments. Uh, God is always working. God is always working. Some people thought God stopped working after the six days of creation. And he saw that it was good and he rested. And they thought, well, that's it. God's done working. I will prove to you right now from the words of Jesus that that is absolutely untrue. Is that God, not only is God always working, he never stopped working. He never stopped working. Listen to John chapter 5 and verse 17. But Jesus answered them. My father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus said it. My father is working until now, and I am working. You know why they were mad at him? Because he was working. And they always got mad at him when he worked on the Sabbath. He'd work on the Sabbath. But God's a worker. I said God's a worker. God's a worker. He ain't lazy. God's not lazy. He's a creator. He's a worker. And Jesus said, my father's been, been working until now, and I'm working. He encouraged his disciples to work. Paul told Timothy, work. It's, been the, it's, it's the work. You think that, the, that Christianity spread through the world like wildfire because people weren't doing, willing to do the work? Do you know? Let me just talk about the word of God for a minute. Imagine what it would take. In fact, maybe you should do it one day just to have an appreciation for it being done. I want you to sit down at your table and don't even have to do the whole thing, but just do the beginning so that you understand the power of this. Get out a piece of paper or a legal pad or whatever and a pen. And you ought to feel blessed because you've got great electric lighting in your, in your kitchen, beautiful lights, everything's brightly lit. I want you to take your Bible and put it to one side and I want you to take a legal pad and put it to the other side and begin to copy down the book of Matthew. Word for word. I want you to write it and being careful to make sure you make no mistakes for the person that's going to read Matthew after you. And I want you to sit there and write Matthew out chapter by chapter. And then when you're done, realize you have to do Mark, Luke, and John. 
and then sit there and understand that if these people in the early church weren't willing to work, do you, do you realize that the gospels themselves were, all, were, were copied so many thousands of times that they went throughout the whole earth that the word of God was not just preserved, it was taken and carried to nation after nation. And when people would get, you know what they would do? They'd say, what books do you have? Because here at our, at our church, here at our assembly, we only have uh, Paul's first and second letter to the Corinthians, and we only have his letter to the Galatians. What do you have? Well, I've got the gospel of John and I've got the gospel of Mark. Great, bring them in. We're gonna copy a bunch of copies of them down. And then you copy Galatians and first and second Corinthians and take them to the other churches. And they'd sit in there under poor lighting conditions, maybe by candles, maybe by firelight, maybe in a cave because they were on the run from persecution and sitting there copying the word of God by hand, work, diligence, and God preserved his word. It's like, well, you know, I'll get it, get to it tomorrow sometime. No, think about it. The power of that, the work of the people of God by the help of the Holy Spirit caused the church to explode through the earth. They were using their time wisely. And I'm going to tell you, God's looking for people that will use their time wisely. God's working, and he's working till this day. I like that song we've been singing, Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And then there's that part we sing at the end. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's the truth. God never stops working. He's working right now. He's working on your behalf. He's working for your family. He's working on your children. He's working for your finances to be blessed. He's working on your physical body. He's working. He never stops working. He never stops working. You know, when Jesus shouted, it is finished on the cross, it didn't mean he was done working. It just meant that the redemption act was done. <laughs> it is finished. Everything's done. No, he's not done. The Bible tells us he's still in heaven to this day and he's preparing a place for you and for me, which means he's working and he's making intercession for us means he's working and that his blood is an ever present sacrifice in the presence of God that stands between God and men. He's working. He's working. The reason God hates laziness so much is because he is a creator. He is a worker. And it goes against God's nature to be lazy. It goes against his own nature. Do you know that if you get saved, listen to me here, this is so important for you to hear it. If you get saved and remain lazy, you are literally going against your new nature. You're grinding against your new creation reality nature your new creature in Christ Jesus nature because you didn't get redeemed to be lazy. How do I know? It goes against the word of God and it goes against the nature of God. So if you get saved, I mean, look at all the things Proverbs says to rebuke laziness. Look at the uh, passage where Jesus speaks to the parable of the three servants who received talents and the one who didn't multiply his talent. The master came back and said, you wicked and lazy servant. Matthew 25, you wicked and lazy servant. He didn't just say lazy. He said, you wicked. And then look what the punishment was. Take his talent away from him and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at, look at this. Because it, it, it even takes diligence to, to live for God. It takes diligence to stay free from temptation. It takes diligence to live holy. 
And look what the Bible says in John 15, that if people refuse to produce fruit, even though they're connected to the vine, the vine dresser will come and cut them off from the vine and do what with them? Throw them in a pile to be burned. He said, you've been, now here's the problem. It's not just like, well, you know, I have a condition where I can't produce fruit. No, you're connected to the vine, the Bible says, who produces and provides sustenance for you as the branch, which means you've got all of the potential, the fuel, and every ingredient you need to produce. But then if you choose not to produce, the Bible says God looks at that as wicked and cuts you off from the vine. Hallelujah. That's a heavy word, but it's because God hates laziness. And because he sees it as wicked, he sees it as evil. And so any, any time, and I'm going to show you something that's interesting. Any time, go to Galatians five with me. Any time that there's a lack of production, there's a lack of obedience. Think of it. Anytime there's, and put it in the comments as you're turning. If there's a lack of production, there's a lack of obedience. If there's a lack of production, there's a lack of obedience. The only way I could miss producing for the kingdom is by not doing what God called me to do or told me to do. Because if I'll just do it, if I'll just obey him and do what he's told me to do, I'll produce. You know why? Because whatever God commands, he empowers. Whatever God commands, he empowers. Why do you think we can use the anointing oil and people still have to be healed? Because God commanded us to anoint those with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. He said, if you'll do what I command you to do, I'll work with you. And signs will follow. Put it in the comments. If there's a lack of production, there's a lack of obedience. Lack of obedience. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. In order to do that, you have to be diligent. Yeah, Galatians 5, verse 16. Now look at this. The Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 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 So you see that? Faithfulness, which is diligence, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, hallelujah. Faithfulness, gentleness, and let me give you the last one, self-control. Now, we know that love is the most uh, powerful of all. The Bible says uh, three things will endure forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Paul taught that. But love is not the most important fruit of the Spirit. It is the one that endures forever and sits above all others, but it's not the most important. You know what it is? The most important is self-control. Because without self-control, none of the other fruit of the Spirit will be in operation in your life. Because every fruit of the Spirit is a choice. None of them happen automatically. You don't automatically have patience. You don't automatically have joy. You don't automatically have peace. You actually have to choose to be joyful. Choose to have peace. Choose to walk in love. How many Christians do you know that don't walk in love? And it's not because it's not available to them. It's because they won't discipline their flesh to walk in love when they feel like slapping somebody. And so they go by what their flesh tells them to do, not by what the Spirit commands them to do. And you see that? The Bible says, and, and the way Paul writes it, 
you can see that he's showing us it's your choice. It's your choice. If you'll walk by the spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he's talking to Christians, by the way, the Galatians were Christians. He said, if you'll walk by the spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you don't, you will. And then he says what the desires of the flesh are. He lists them all. And then he lists what the fruit of the spirit are. And faithfulness is one of the fruit of the spirit. But self-control is key. Because, and, and really I'm dealing with both of those today. Because all of this, what we're talking about, has to come down to self-control. This is not a self-help message. This is not some, you know, Barnes and Noble bestseller. This is something the Bible taught 2,000 years ago that allows us to become powerful and productive in the kingdom. It is the power of self-control and faithfulness that I don't stop doing something when I don't feel like doing it anymore. I keep persevering. I keep pressing in knowing that the Bible says we're not to get weary in well-doing. Amen. So let me give you something that'll help you because one of the things that you have the power and ability to do is, and, and this will help you to be productive in these areas, always give yourself environments that lend themselves to production. Create an environment that lends itself to production or to diligence, to faithfulness. What I, what I mean by that is this. I was talking to a guy one time. He said, find out what sparks creativity in you. He was talking to me specifically about writing because he's written a ton of books, a ton, and had them published. And he said, one thing you need to do is you need to find out what inspires you personally. What is that for you? Um, and then he said, then you need to surround yourself with it. Surround yourself with what inspires you, what excites you, what makes you. And so he said, and then create a place for yourself that that place lends itself to your production. So what does that mean? Uh, for example, I know guys that they have a house, but outside they may, they may have had like an old shed or it was like a place, you know, like a little mini garage or like a little mini shed or something. And I've seen those guys, maybe they're music producers, maybe they're writers. I've seen different kinds of creatives do this and they'll go out to that shed and they'll revamp it and they'll actually turn it from an old shed or an old garage into like a little, a, a place, like a little office where they can go in separated from the rest of the house. It, they have what they like in there. They have what causes them to be productive. They have what causes them to be inspired. And this guy said, even if it's an office or a room in your house, he said, put yourself in a place where if, if you've got to put pictures around you to see things that inspire you. One of the things that I like a lot is castles. I, I like castles for some reason. I like to see those pictures of Ireland, Scotland, England with those old castles on the water. Something really inspires me about that. I don't know why. I like looking at it. I'll keep that. Even I used to have on my iPad and on my laptop, it was just these uh, landscapes of these beautiful castles, even the ruins of castles uh, in other countries. And I would have it, I used to have on my desktop, uh, it would just rotate, the wallpaper would rotate between like 10 castle images that I'd found that I loved. And even when you're sitting there, you can just see those. You know, my iPad, my iPad wallpaper, all that, whatever it is that inspires you, keep it around you. 
He even said, uh, use the five senses God gave you. You know, if you like a certain kind of chair, get that chair. If it's got to be a super soft chair to keep you comfortable for hours to do the work you're called to do, do it. He said, if there's a scent you love, which I've determined what I like, I've actually determined, Now, this might sound goofy to some people, but if Zach Ramsey's watching, he knows what I'm talking about. He travels with me sometimes. And the first thing I'll do when I get to any hotel, when I'm traveling, especially if I'm traveling, uh, you know, without the family or just with, with Zach, is that first thing I do when I land is I'll go straight to Walmart because I've determined the scent that I actually want to have in my room. The one that, and I've, there's, there's a certain, uh, and I can't even describe it to you because it's just the brand name of the candle, but it's, it's a certain, uh, candle that's put out. I buy a massive one, like a huge one like this with like the long wick that goes across. And I'll put that in my hotel room for the whole week of revival. And there'll be very few times when that's not burning. You know why? Because there, I've found out the things that either cause me to be inspired, cause me to be peaceful, cause me to be productive, cause me to be alert. And I surround myself. You know, there's a reason. You know, one of the things that I've found out, even with traveling, is if you're annoyed about stuff, annoyed about the things around you, you'll, that will actually deter you from doing the things you want to do. It'll actually do, I'm getting annoyed. You know, I can't stand, you know, if you're a coffee lover, I can't stand these hotel coffees. I can't stand this hotel coffee machine. You know, I start, I bring my own on the road. I'll pack and people think I'm crazy. I will pack my own little grinder, electric grinder. I'll grind the beans every morning. I'll bring my own bags of beans in the, in the bag. I'll bring my own sweeteners. I bring my own travel mug. Hello. This is mine that goes on the road. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know why? Because it makes a difference. I've been in there where I'm like ticked off. I'm like, this coffee sucks. Can't stand this, this hotel, whole, whole, horrible coffee. You know, and then you're sitting there like, I'm sitting here trying to write and trying to create. I got a horrible coffee in my hand. The room smells like, you know, a boys hockey team just left it. You know, you, you don't want to be, you want to create an environment for yourself to be productive. You don't think that's important, but that's why most people don't produce anything. They don't produce anything. And I'm just telling you, this is what successful, productive people do. They put themselves in an environment where they can be productive. If you don't like sounds all around you when you're trying to do stuff and it sounds about you, get yourself a good pair of noise-canceling headphones and wear them when you're producing something. Doesn't matter. If you've got to get over-ear Bose headphones that cancel out the sound that's all around you, get it. Get it. Invest in yourself. You know, God's called you to create. He's called you to produce. He's called you to be diligent and to make things happen for the kingdom. So whatever you got to do, you know, I talk, and it's different for everybody. I talked to Pastor Michael Spencer, who's in New York. He, he wants, he, you know, he likes to write. He said what he likes to do, what really makes him happy, he likes to go to like a Barnes and Noble where there's a Starbucks inside. And he likes to go to Barnes and Noble and sit at one of the tables with his laptop, put his earbuds in. Then he puts music on his laptop. He has a certain kind of music he likes to listen to. And then he listens to the music. He likes to have all the people moving around through Barnes and Noble in, in his vision. And then he likes to write with music going with the people where he can stop, go get a coffee from Starbucks right at the counter, come back to the table. I would never be able to write like that. Never. That's what makes that. That's what sparks his creativity. 
That's what makes him, that's what puts him in the place where he can do what God's called him to do. And it is different for everybody. If I had all that movement moving around, have music playing in my ears, I, was, I could never write a word. I'd, I'd never have anything. So mine's going to be different. Mine's going to be locked away in a room with nobody around. Mine's going to be complete silence. Mine's going to be me and my laptop hammering those thoughts out. So you understand what I mean? Now, I agree with him on the good coffee. I will receive the coffee. I'll take that part. Mm-hmm. But it's different for everybody. So don't just take somebody's formula and say, well, I'm going to make that work for me. If it's not the thing that brings you inspiration, if it's not the thing that puts you in position to be diligent, then don't use theirs. You know what I mean? For example, some people, they like to have a certain type of alarm to get up in the morning. Some people like to have a loud, stark alarm that snaps them out of sleep. I don't like waking up that way. You know what I do? I have a very soft soundtrack that comes on. I'm going to play it for you. A very soft soundtrack. This is what plays when I wake up in the morning. First person that, that puts it what this is in the comments is getting $10 of coffee today. You ready for this? This is what I wake up to in the morning right here. <laughs> Eric Ferreira, I can't give it to Barrett. She's sitting right here and she just beat the delay. That's not fair. But I'm going to buy you coffee anyway. Um, Eric Ferreira, you won the coffee. It is the Lord of the Rings. It's the Shire. Uh, that's, and, and you know how it's soft, it's calm. And when it's set as an alarm on your phone, it's, it fades in and fades out. When you, you know, I don't want to get up to, I don't want to start my day that way. Who wants to start their day that way? I don't want to, but some people love being shook out of their sleep. Not me. Not me. Now, some people, if that was the thing, they'd sleep right through that. They couldn't hear that at all. They're heavy sleepers. I know some people that have to put their alarm on the other side of the room and get out of their bed in the cold and go over to shut it off and take, and now, now I'm up and out of bed and it's cold and I got to go get my coffee. I, I can't wait. I don't like that. I don't wake up like that. But find out what starts your day right. Find out what it is that puts you in the mindset for the day to produce. You know, nobody wants to roll out of bed on the wrong side of the bed. You know, of course, it takes self-control. But give yourself the easiest thing. You know, I, I learned this, too. <laughs> Jessica said, get up to the broadcast intro music. That'll get you ready for the day. Um, you know, T.L. Osborne made a comment, and I thought, man, I've never thought of that ever. Uh, he said this, and he, here's a man that held uh, mass crusades in over 70 nations of the world. You know what he, he told young preachers? He said, when you go to a nation, he said, when you go to a nation to minister to the people, he said, find the very best hotel in that nation and stay in it. That was T.L. Osborne who said that. He said, find the very best hotel in that nation and stay in it. He said, because the last thing you want is to be not able to sleep, always being bothered uh, in a place that's not going to, and then you have to go try to minister to God's people, and you're not even prepared because you're tired, you're worn out, you can't eat the right foods, you're sick to your stomach, all these things. So you know what he said? What was he saying? Same thing. Give yourself a surrounding on an environment that will keep you in position to do what you're supposed to do. I, I, I heard this story back in the, at the turn of the last century when 
everybody was still riding horses and there were horse-drawn carriages and trains had really just uh, started taking off. And there was this group of preachers that were going to be a part of this conference. And, um, and as they were going, uh, they had booked, they had booked a passage and it was a long, it was a long ride on the train to where they were going to preach. And, uh, all the, the, the majority of the preachers, except one had booked their ticket on a day in the day coach, which is mean you sit straight up and down on a wooden bench or whatever back then in the day coach. And they were going to ride for hours and hours and hours. And it was overnight and they would get there the next day and then had to preach. And they all were saving God's money. And so they, they booked day coach tickets and they're all sitting up there. And then the one preacher booked a sleeper carriage where it has a bed in it. You can lay down, you know, sleep through the night, whatever. And they all gave him such a hard time uh, when he bought it. And they, you know, you're not in the day coach with us. Where you? Oh no, I got to sleep. Oh, you, oh, you spent. And they all gave him a hard time. You've wasted God's money on spending on a sleeper carriage when you could have saved God's money and booked up here with us in the day coach. Well, they took the trip. They got all the way hours and hours through the night, got to the place where they were going and they all got off the train. They had to go straight to the conference to minister from where they were going. And they got off and every one of those ministers in the day coach kind of creaked off the train, stretching their back, eyes heavy, couldn't sleep well because they were up sitting up next to everybody in the day coach. And the man who booked the sleeper coach got off the train, looked very extremely rested and felt so good. And they came out and they're looking at him kind of envious. And he said, gentlemen, let me teach you a lesson. You saved God's money. I saved God's man. Think about that. You saved God's money. I saved God's man. Now they're all going to try to drive or, or if they had to take horses or a horse drawn carriage to where this conference was, they're all worn out. How good are you going to be for the people of God to minister to them, to care for the sheep of God? If you yourself are barely even awake and sore from right. And he said, I'm, I'm refreshed and ready to preach the gospel, ready to minister to God's people, ready to lay hands on the sick. I'm ready to do the work of God. I've prepared myself. What did he do? Put himself in an environment where he could then produce after he'd been in it. And I'm telling you, if you don't think this is important, I'm just telling you, you've got to understand that if you're going to produce, it never happens by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. I read somewhere, best first author to ever become a billionaire, J.K. Rowling, that wrote the Harry Potter series. When she wrote the last volume of Harry Potter, she literally left her entire environment and went to this hotel um, where she finished the whole uh series of writing in that hotel room. Very nice hotel room. They actually, I think, have like a plaque in there that lets say whatever. But notice that she did that. Left her surroundings. I'm sure there was, after that amount of success, there was distraction after distraction. People trying to get movie deals and people trying to do and all this stuff. People trying to get a hold of her. Separated it all away. Went in to a place of solitude where you could actually do the work that you were supposed to do. And I'm telling you, it blows my mind how much People waste their time when they could be doing extreme production for the Lord. And I'm just telling you right now, God has a plan to see you thrive in 2021. But you've got to guard your time. You have to guard your schedule, guard your calendar. Do you know what we'll do? We'll actually put this on our calendar where it says uh, it's whole weeks blocked out that says do not, all capital letters, do not book meetings. You know why? If we leave it open, we'll book revivals. We love ministering to people. We'll book revivals. We'll go out, preach the gospel, lay hands on people. 
But we, we want to make sure we also have time for our family, which is priority one. See what we do? Before anything else, we'll put it in the calendar. Do not book meetings, home or vacation, whatever it might be. Spending time with the family. If you don't do that, if you don't guard your time, someone will take your time. I want you to put that in the comments. If you don't guard your time, someone or something will take your time. I'm going to pray for you. If you don't guard your time, someone or something will take your time. They'll steal it right from under you. And it won't be because they have a bad intention or because they're evil people. But let me tell you, nature abhors a vacuum. There's not emptiness in nature. That's why it's a joke when we say today, well, when I get some time, there you're not going to get any. It gets filled with stuff. That's why you can't say, when I get some time, I'll read my Bible. When I get some time, I'll pray. When I get some time, I'll go back to church. No, you prioritize it and say, it will be what I do before other things. You guard your time or someone or something will steal it from you. And I want to see you flourish. I'm just telling you, I got more to say about this subject. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask God to give you that wisdom, supernatural wisdom. Get ready when I tell you that you're going to do more this year than you've ever done. I'm going to do more this year than I've ever done. I'm going to write three books this year. In 2021, I'll have three books written. And produce courses for Miracle Word University. And produce worldwide television, which we're already doing. And disciple people digitally around the world. I'm going to do more than I've ever done. I've already got the goals. We're doing it. This is going to be done. But you know what's going to take to do that? Other things that are time wasters will have to be cut out. I would rather be productive for the kingdom than sit around being, you know, wasting my time, stuff that doesn't matter. So I want you to bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person watching or listening on the podcast. And I pray in Jesus' name, give them this wisdom. Give them a discerning eye to understand or to even be able to see ahead of time. This thing is wasting my time. This thing is stealing from me. This thing is causing me to be unproductive. Let us have a quickly discerning eye so that we can cut it out and to press into your presence, to press in to your anointing and to do what you've called us to do. We're not insignificant. We're not unimportant. We're anointed and we're vital to the kingdom. So use us for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shout aloud, amen. Before I go, let me encourage you to sow a seed into this ministry. The information's up on the screen. The lower third's coming. You can see, you can go to miracleword.com. You can use Cash App. You can use PayPal. You can use Venmo or hashtag donate if you're on Facebook or uh, I know there's nobody on Twitter or Periscope today. We're not connected to it. But uh, if you're on Facebook, you can use hashtag donate uh, everywhere else, podcast, YouTube, wherever you're watching. Uh, you can use PayPal around the world. If you're in the U.S., Cash App, Venmo, MiracleWord.com, all the information is there. But I want to encourage you to stand with Carolyn and with me in partnership. Things are changing for the better in America in the yeah. wonderful name of Jesus. They're changing for the better in America. God's got his hand on this nation. We have a harvest to reap. And I'm just telling you, it's going to be the best year we've ever had. Put yourself in position to be blessed with a harvest financially by putting a seed in the ground. And when you do God's system of sowing and reaping, it will always produce, always. The harvest follows the seed. And so right where you're watching from, whether you're doing it online, whether you're doing it on, on one of these apps, many people there's, uh, like to do it digitally, but there's still a few people that like to mail a check. So if you'd like to do that because you have a, an inordinate amount of trust in the U.S. Postal Service, 
um, you can always go to our website and look at the footer of every home of every page on the site, and it has our mailing address. And you can, uh, you know, take a shot in the dark and put something in the mail, um, because I have somebody that sent me a. They received a, a, a Christmas card finally at the beginning of February that somebody mailed at the end of November. So, God bless the U.S. Postal Service, but I'm praying that they all burn to the ground. Uh, and something that uh, is run by a privatized corporation will actually begin to <coughs> take over. Government subsidies have ruined more things than we can say at this point. Uh, we love you guys. <laughs> it's kind of a side note, but anyway... Thanks for sowing seed. Uh, you know what we're doing. If you sow this uh, month, we're sending you Brother Hagin's book, uh, Understanding the Anointing. And those of you that are sowing largely, we're also blessing you with a life application study Bible in genuine leather that I'll sign to you. All you got to do, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out that form. And uh, as you do, we'll, we'll know where to send your book and we'll know where you sowed your seed. We'll be back tonight at 6.30 p.m. New York City time. Boomerang Church. We're right here in North Carolina outside of Charlotte. Um, if you'd like to come, come. And I'm encouraging you, even if you wouldn't like to come, come anyway, because you need to start your year in revival. We've had people come, Massachusetts, Letty's in the house today, New Hampshire. People have come from New York. People have come from Virginia. We got people coming in from all over the place. I'm telling you, do it, do it. And you'll be blessed. I'm telling you, it's, it's, with churches shut down, with the nation looking the way it is, people need to get in revival meetings. They need to get in revival meetings. We haven't stopped. Let me tell you, we haven't stopped since last year. I think the only month we really didn't do anything was like April. And then it, and then it kicked right back up. <laughs> That's right, day and night. And so I'm telling you, we never stopped. And the Holy Ghost is moving. People are hungry in America for a move of God. We want to see you in person. Go to our website and look at the schedule. It has all the details of everywhere we're going to be, uh, times, addresses. We want to see you live, the Victory Tribe live in person. And I'm thinking about maybe doing a Victory Tribe event at some point where we can get everybody in together and do something. That would be wonderful to be able to do it together. So keep your ear to the ground on that one. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day. And I'll see you again tonight, 630. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.